news, opinion, insights. This is Talking Mighty, the social media podcast by Mighty Social. Visit our website at mightysocial.tech. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new year. It is 2022, and it is a brand new Talking Mighty, the social media podcast brought to you by the wonderful people at Mighty Social. We're here. It's the beginning of January, the first working week. I think I've lost count the amount of times I've accidentally written 2021 so far. I'm sure people are feeling exactly the same. Um, I'm not alone, though. Uh, we, I'm joined here with, with three esteemed guests, uh, which I can't wait to get talking. Uh, first of all, Victoria Jenkins. Hello, Victoria. How are you? Hi, Ali. I am very well, thank you. Very excited to kick off the new year, and I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Did you have a good Christmas? Did you get anything fun for Christmas? Any interesting presents? I had a lovely Christmas, yeah. Santa was very generous to me and it was so lovely to be able to see a few more friends and family again this year, which was, yeah, really nice. And less virtual experience gifts, uh, so that was good. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. We should say that this is being recorded remotely, so please forgive us for any sort of audio issues. We will be back together again soon, so we'll just have to grin and bear it I think for the time being. Next joining us today uh, with a name like it sounds like he's an 80s pop icon with a haircut to match it is Billy Mackey. How are you Billy? Um, love the intro yeah no I'm good thank you doing well. Excellent you got Covid for Christmas didn't you are you feeling okay? Um, yeah well I got Covid for New Year which is probably worse to be honest oh. but no I feel fine it could, uh, it could be a lot worse. Excellent. That's good to hear. Good to hear. And last but by no means least, uh, the we've heard her before. She's an expert on all things creative. She's our creative director, Elise Mandel. Elise, how are you? I'm very well. Happy New Year to you and to all our listeners. Happy, Happy 2022. It's very exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. I feel like there's a real sort of air of optimism about this year. As far as social is concerned, there's lots of exciting things to be excited about. And I think a lot towards the end of last year, we were all making, you know, at the end of every year, we all make um, resolutions and predictions based on, you know, based on what's happened in the previous year. And we look forward to, as we look forward to the next. Uh, I think there's some exciting stuff uh, going to happen uh, in 2022. Namely, I mean, I don't think we can talk about 2021 or 2022 without mentioning TikTok, to be honest with you. Um, it's just gone bananas, hasn't it? I saw actually that it was the number one app, m- number one downloaded app on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, people were downloading TikTok to consume TikTok content. And that just, uh, it, uh, uh, I find that bonkers, I really do. So obviously everyone's getting their smartphones and first thing they're doing is downloading and consuming t- TikTok content. Um, what a Christmas. What happened to taking a break over Christmas and New Year? I know. <laughs> Just to add, it was also um, the number one used domain of the year last year, dethroning Google, which is probably the first time since Google's inception. I think that's amazing. That, um, and it's, it's, so it's, it's nuts, isn't it? Just nuts. And it's grown so quickly in the last year. I think the year before it was like number seven. And to increase so much, and like you said, to be more used than Google is just astounding. The growth has just been phenomenal. Yeah, it, it's scary. It's, it is scary. And I think the biggest thing that me and Billy were talking off air just a minute ago about basically, you read anything in the news at the moment regarding TikTok and social media in general, 
people are just paying catch up. People are just wanting a piece of it. People are, I don't. I don't think. I think it's taken everybody. I think it's taken a few years to happen, but really, it's it's been such a quick growth that it's taken everyone by surprise. Namely, Facebook or Meta, and 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 Instagram. Like it, Instagram are just doing everything they can to become TikTok now. Um, yeah. It's kind of like this 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 new cool kid that started school that has just ever come in and is now friends with all the people. And then the, 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 the old cool kids are like, well, hang on a minute. Like, what am I doing? I don't understand why well, I used to be friends with all these people. And now I'm not. Um, it's, yeah. Uh, I, 100%. I think that's a really good analogy. It's, you know, playing catch up as opposed to leading the way, which they're not used to being in that right. position really. Yeah. I mean, I suppose it begs the question then, Billy, you're probably best part of person to like to start this one. Like, it begs the question: like, if you if you had one channel to put paid media behind, would you choose TikTok or Reels? Um, I mean, yes. Yeah, so we can see TikTok is the fastest growing. It definitely is the it child for the time being. But in terms of having one channel, I still think the future lies in diversifying. I still think a solid digital marketing campaign will diversify the channels that you're using for your ads. And it's also, you know, it's, it's definitely still demographic relative. TikTok is doing super well and it's growing very quickly, but it's still quite a younger demographic. So for the time being, I would still stick with Instagram. It does still currently have a larger reach and user base and um, a user range in terms of age. So for the time being, I would still stick with Instagram. But of course, I can see why people are starting to diversify and use TikTok. I've also seen a few stats to um, point towards ads on TikTok are working better than ads elsewhere due to TikTok sort of encouraging advertisers to not make ads, but to make TikToks. And across the board, we do see the ads that look more organic and less ad-like in your face by now, by now, are the ones that are working better because people don't want to be interrupted. That's not why they're on those apps. So the more organic people are making their ads look, the better it's going to work for those brands. Yeah, I mean, just look at the was it look at M and S over Christmas. You know, I forget which branch it was with the with the the um the employees creating their TikTok and it going and it going viral. Like it used to sort of just it makes complete sense, doesn't it? And I think that's sort of like and one of the predictions I had for twenty twenty two is that you know that most people like I think most brands will look towards influencers or creators. I think is a better word for them creators to create their content for them not as ads but just creating branded content for tiktok because it's just so cringy isn't it when a brand like tries to jump on a bandwagon and like a brand like mns for example like couldn't it be it'd be really cringe to see them do tiktok themselves like they're you know their their marketing agency doing tiktok themselves but yeah. you know getting creators to do it is such an easy it's an easy win for them um so yeah, like you, so you'd, you'd still stick with Instagram, even if, like, because whenever I look at Instagram reels, it's just TikTok videos. It's people reposting TikTok videos. So isn't that, isn't it, I don't know. Like it, do, I do understand what you're saying, but I think, I mean, it is quite brand specific where we would choose to like put our media. I think for the time being, Instagram ads, dependent on the sort of demographic you're going after, are for me still golden child. But it is very brand relative. You know, if we're dealing with a younger brand, younger age demographic, then I would probably edge more towards TikTok for the foreseeable future. Mm. Also, but it depends on what we're advertising. What about targeting and, you know, insight capabilities against each platform? How does that work in terms of 
you know, one being more sophisticated than the other? For the time being, from my understanding, um, Meta itself, Facebook and Instagram, does have more targeting options than most other available platforms out there. The interface with TikTok itself is fairly similar to Facebook. I think they have kind of based it that way, which will work for them because um, Facebook's interface is pretty nice and simple. So I would lean more towards Instagram for targeting options for the time being. But again, this is something that we're going to see TikTok evolve with. Now that they're open for business, they will start to adapt more and more and more targeting options in order to compete with the Ivy League. Uh, it's interesting. Another interesting thing that I saw about TikTok, at least, like this is quite, I'm, I'm interested to know your thoughts on this. Like as social marketeers, we've always been preaching to, to brands when they're, when, when discussing video content to design for sound off, but make it important for sound on as well. TikTok, I mean, TikTok again, they, they've now come out and shifted the trend and have said that nine out of 10 users view sound as being vital to the TikTok experience. So they're saying that it all has to be sound on, which makes sense because it's dancing, it's lip syncing, you know, there's the, you know, a lot of it is, is there's a lot of um, voiceovers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But how's that, how's your team coping with that sort of thing? Like, is that, is this, is this scary news? Is it, is it, is it creating more, um, you know, is, is it, is it, is creating content becoming more difficult because of this? What do you reckon? Yeah, I definitely think there has been a shift in that. So, you know, you used to be able to watch all this content with sound off and now it doesn't make sense. As you said, you know, if people are sort of doing things according to the music and aligning it with the music, then um, you really do need the sound on. And I think you're right. I think it does present extra challenges and does create a whole other sort of area to explore in terms of creating this you know increasingly <laughs> increasing demand and meeting that demand for content um you know it is slightly easier to design for sound off um but you know we're we're meeting those challenges and we can definitely um you know meet our client needs when it comes to designing creative with sound on as well um, it just is a slightly different proposition, I think. Yeah, I think it just it further emphasizes, doesn't it, the need to be channel bespoke when creating content. You can't, there's no one size fits all approach to it. You've got to, if you're creating content on TikTok, you have to create it for TikTok, not yeah. Instagram, and then stick it on TikTok. It has to be channel specific. Yeah, and it goes back yeah, as well to the point about authentic content and, you know, when it, when, you, when you're designing for sound on and making sure that it aligns with the content, it really has to be, you know, very authentic and sort of natural in a sense. Um, and that's one, one of the challenges that does present itself. And I think it has to be quite current for TikTok. So I've seen a few brands kind of do examples, wouldn't want to name a shame here, where they've tapped on to like a music or voiceover trend, but maybe that was a few months ago. I mean, the trends on TikTok, you know, change so rapidly that I think if you're creating content, it just needs to be completely on point at that time and what's relevant at that time and really tapping into those trends. Um, so you, when creating content, you can't plan so much in the head in TikTok as perhaps you can when you're kind of creating content where the sound is not so important. How much of it do you think... Vicky, I'd be interested to know what you think because you're, you're, you're quite a philosophical, down-to-earth, real person. 
Um, how much of this trend of sound on do you think has been based around the fact that we're all at home and not in offices or on buses or in public cafes and that sort of thing, whereby it was a lot easier, it was a lot harder to have sound on. But now we're obviously all at home working on our home offices or, or whatever, like the ability to consume social with sound on is, is there and easy. Do you think that has a do you think that has a part in it? And like is there do you think it's going to revert back to how it was once we all start going back into offices again? Again? I think that's a really interesting question, Ali. I think yes, that has had an impact. I know certainly I definitely kind of consume content differently when um, I'm in the quieter home space than the busy office environment. But I think now people have made the switch. There isn't going to be a going back. I mm. think also like headphone technology within, you know, that time has really improved as well with everyone kind of, no matter what your technology provider, whether it's the Apple kind of earbuds or everything else, kind of having like small headphones with really good sound quality in means that kind of watching things on the bus is, you know, the sound is still really important. It's not like um, the days where kind of headphone quality wasn't very good on the tube and maybe then you wouldn't want to have the sound on option. I think the sophistication of the headphones has kind of changed the game as well. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I hadn't considered headphones. It's been so long since I've worn headphones that I sort of forget they exist, to be honest with you. Um, I think it sometimes depends you live with as well <laughs> I, get, I definitely get looks <laughs> from my family when the video and the sound goes on <laughs> unexpectedly <laughs> see i'm i'm still quite i i find if i'm watching tv with my wife or whatever I've, i'm still very conscious of the fact that if i'm watching videos or if i'm on instagram and the video's on i will always mute it just out of respect for usually watching tv she on the other hand will just sit there blaring it out for about five minutes <laughs> And it would be repeating real. So it'd be the same thing over and over again. I'm like, what are you actually doing? Let's come on, be a bit considerate here. <laughs> I feel like I can tell what channel people are on through like just like a second of like, you know, the sound. You can tell whether someone's watching a TikTok or whether someone's watching YouTube, just the sound's kind of so different. So even if you're not seeing their screen, um, I find, you know, it's really obvious what social channel they're consuming at that given time. Definitely. And I also wonder like whether it's a blessing or a curse for like, uh, for musicians and singers and songwriters and whatnot to have their music become trending in TikTok or or real videos, like because it's the same music over and over again, isn't it? Uh, I'm not going to start singing them now, but it, you will, we all know the sorts of songs that that uh, that these young people are, are dancing to on reels and whatnot. I wonder whether it's a blessing or a curse. I've seen that Rod Stewart's song "If You Think I'm Sexy" is now being played quite a lot on a lot of people's reels. And I'm thinking, God, he, did he ever imagine that that would be a thing? It's crazy. I have to say my favorite thing is when someone that's like, you know, 18, like thinks they found like a cool new TikTok, new piece of music. And you're like, this is a song from the 80s. Yeah. And it's kind of been, it's got a new life breathed into it, being discovered in a new way through the TikTok generation, which I think is really fun. It's a way of kind of uh, looking at music kind of from the past, maybe that the parents, their grandparents were into and kind of reinterpreting it in a modern way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think just adding into the influence TikTok is having at the minute, we, we have artists currently making dances for their songs with the sole goal of going viral on TikTok wow. because of the amount of reach that their song is now having through being um, used as audio is increasing Spotify streams and in turn income for them, which is wild. And it just goes to show like, not only the possibilities TikTok is offering, but um, the influence that it has. 
You're listening to Talking Mighty, the social media podcast brought to you by Mighty Social. So another big thing in 2021, 2022, it's we're looking at VR, AR, obviously Meta and was spoken about hugely um, and AR and VR and virtual reality and whatnot is, is going to be a part of that. Um, it's, I don't know, I'm really excited by the, by the, by the potential of the uh, augmented and virtual reality technology, really excited um you know from everything from like i don't know putting like you're seeing what's in what's underneath the car bonnet when you're buying a um when you're buying a new car or you know putting a putting a product within your home before you buy it i just think it's 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 just really cool and i think you know once we all start wearing virtual reality goggles permanently like mr zuckerberg wants us to um it's going to be it's going to be absolutely wild um what do you guys reckon like what what how what features of vr ar are you guys most likely to use do you reckon i actually used um an, a feature the other day um so i was shopping for a new light on made.com and used the feature where you can see the light in your room um and and a rug as well and it was fantastic <laughs> i mean yeah. You know what a way to shop it's i didn't have to leave my house i could see exactly how it would look and you know if it fit in and you know it really helped my decision making process um and did you buy it and has it arrived Does um, it so the the rug that i chose it wasn't the right size but i would have definitely bought it and the lamp uh, sorry the pendant light i have bought actually i haven't seen what it looks like yet um but you know, we're all used to online shopping by now, but this adds a huge element of, um, it's just an extra feature that you can imagine and you don't have to sort of <laughs> send as many things back. That's my life at the moment is returning things that don't quite come as expected when you see it online. So, I think it's yeah. so useful for the homeware sector. And I know like Ikea has been doing it for a while and eBay, um, and it's just, especially if you're thinking about like a bigger purchase, like if you're thinking about like a sofa or something and trying to visualize how it will look in your room, being able to see the size of it and how it will work in your own home setting with your kind of design scheme and the space is just so helpful. Yeah, I think, um, I think firstly, I'm kind of like equal parts enthusiastic and worried about where it might all take us. But I think the sort of like misconception that, you know, like the metaverse will be an all-encompassing digital reality. It's not, it's not quite the case. We're already seeing like brands utilizing augmented reality, which is what you just mentioned there, Elise, where it, you know, it's still the real world, but with elements of VR. So being able to see um, a lamp that you might purchase online. These, these are going to make like um, user experiences and e-commerce thrive because it's just going to make that um, purchase decision so much easier. Well, the beauty industry is exploding when it comes to these kind of features, um, you know, trying things on. I, I think with the, you know, huge impact that COVID's had on our shopping capabilities, um, I think these brands have to figure out ways to incorporate this type of shopping if they want to reach their customers. Hey, 
recipients just really got rid of the ability to kind of do samples in stores and give out testers as easily. So services like Clinique have, you know, an app where you can try on foundation and match it to your skin, or L'Oreal trying out different VR hair filters to see, do you want to go blonde this summer? Do you want to be a redhead? Do you want to kind of go rose gold pink? Being able to try out these on apps before kind of committing to that decision. Even if it's something as small as, you know, like what shade of lipstick should I buy? And being able to try it on you with a filter is just instrumental. So completely agree, Elise. I think it's going to be already been a game changer for the makeup industry. And I think I'm going to take it further this year. I think the future also lies in sort of getting rid of that um, delineation between the physical and the online and just making it more seamless. So if you are actually in store, there's still the opportunity to try it on virtually and vice versa. Um, actually, it wouldn't really work vice versa, would it? But, <laughs> but I do think sort of, you know, just realizing that shoppers are at some point, hopefully, <laughs> going to be experiencing the products in both ways um, and just making sure that that's at the forefront of their advertising and linking it to some of the short form content, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree, Elise, because like taking the Zara example, I might want to see the kind of clothing in person and being able to touch the fabrics and see what they look like. But I don't necessarily want to, for the girls in this podcast, Zara Q is uh, quite long in the female section, <laughs> don't know about the male section. I don't necessarily want to queue up for half an hour to actually try the item on. So being able to kind of combine that kind of real world experience, being able to physically touch things and equally try them on the store, I just think it's a real game changer. I wouldn't know. I've not been able to fit into anything from Zara for about 10 or 15 <laughs> years, so I, I wouldn't know. Um, built for men, not of my stature. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting point, though, like sort of this blurring the lines between physical and and virtual. And I think it really links well. And brands that are really going to kill the, the VR, AR thing is sort of when you start combining with things like social commerce and stuff, um, you know, with which has been prevalent in China for so long and I can't believe it's taken us this long in, in, in the Western world to, to, to adopt this sort of this idea of not leaving the social channel to, to make a purchase. Um, so do you think like at least you sort of mentioned there a second ago you know hopefully the shoppers might get back to real world bricks and mortar stores at some point but do you think there's a need to if if more if more uh, brands adopted sort of the, the new technologies out there like social commerce, is it necessary to have bricks and mortar retail stores? I'm paying devil's advocate here to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. Of course, there's always room for bricks and mortar and it's great going out shopping, but like really, realistically, with next day delivery or even same day delivery and you know free returns and the, the ability to see what a t-shirt looks like on you before you actually even buy it via the viral augmented reality, is it necessary? Um, I definitely think there's value in experiences in real life. Um, and, you know, maybe that will change in terms of what our priorities are. But I definitely think there's, you know, it, it's disappointing hearing that certain physical shops are closing. Um, you know, I, I think we've <laughs> we've heard too many shops that have had to close or you know, too many things have had to move online. And it, I, I think we lose out on that very real life 
experience of seeing people trying things on in real life. And, you know, I don't think one should be eliminated at the expense of the other. Um, you know, that's just my opinion. I mean, I, I do love that convenience of not having to go somewhere in person, but at the same time, I want that choice. Um, and I do think, you know, when, when either choice is eliminated, it's quite, it's, it's upsetting. And it, it, you know, I don't want to have to do every single thing on, on the virtual, in a virtual space. I want to have that option of going into, let's say into town and spending the day shopping versus, you know, sitting in, at my house. <laughs> do you think you're more likely to do that, like in, in more premium stores? Like I, I see exactly what you mean. Like going shopping can be a day out, like you grab some lunch or a coffee or whatever when you're out there, but like just going to H&M, is it necessary just to go to an H&M store? Is that, is that an experience or like, are we talking about like going to, I don't know, Selfridges or, or wherever it might be, Harrods perhaps, Fortnum's, like that's an experience because of just how, because of the shopping experience they've made it. This puts on like fast yeah. fashion experiences like the H&M's and mm. Primark. Or, yeah, or like, queuing as uh, Victoria yeah. as well, yeah. Like, is, is that, is that, is that, should do retail stores need to up their game and actually up sorry I'm, I'm, I, before I, I answered my own question there they yeah. can up their game and they need to up their game by implementing certain ar experiences within the physical store um you know whether it be holographic holographic um mannequins or i don't know you can change what the mannequin's wearing via your phone or, or something like that um but that for me is much more entertaining than queuing up to try a t-shirt on that i could have done virtually um yeah i think it depends on what the product is so you know i remember years ago going to hamley's and you know they have all those demos of how the <laughs> Yeah, um, the toys are working and things flying through the store and you know that's an experience that you can't recreate at home yeah um you know you can you can tr do certain things but I, I just think sometimes there's absolutely no substitute for being in person um but i'm probably <laughs> becoming a minority in that thought i don't know oh i know what you mean like like if so if for example if i wanted to get a suit made I'd want to go to Savile Row and get it done by a tailor as opposed to send my management measurements to China and have them send me a suit, which is a much probably quicker and damn sight cheaper way of doing it. But I want the experience of having a master cutter and of someone actually there physically taking me through the materials. I want to be able to see and touch the materials and whatnot. And I think there is definitely a place for it. But we're even seeing like cars being bought and sold online now. Was it Cinch, the, the, the car brand that they, they you can sell your car and buy a new car and it's delivered the next day and you can return mm -hmm. it within a month. I'm like, Christ, this, these are like tens of thousands of pounds that people are spending almost on a whim, like online without even test driving it or going to a showroom and looking at it and sitting in it and smelling it and seeing how it feels. I know you can return it, but crumbs, it's... um. It's a big purchase to make online, isn't it? Yes, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I think people do still enjoy that kind of aspect of seeing things physically and browsing is a different experience in person. So I thought it was interesting during the pandemic, for example, um, when all shops were retail shops were closed, how Paper Chase kind of did this 360. You could actually like walk through the Paper Chase store because Paper Chase isn't necessarily a shop you go to because you really need a new notebook necessarily. We all have paper lying around at home. 
but so much of their shopping experience is kind of browsing and seeing pretty things that you don't necessarily need but you want in your life so they kind of filmed one of their shops and you can kind of walk around or 360 on your phone and kind of browse around the shop as if you were actually there in person and I think with like the metaverse will that become more of an experience where it's not just like you're scrolling through a website and seeing you know endless black sweaters but it's like you as an avatar is kind of walking through the store and being able to kind of pick things up look at them browse and end up buying something that you hadn't even thought of before you entered that store it's a different mindset influences let's talk about influences my favorite subject a dying breed i believe a dying breed they are i actually read a buzzfeed um article yesterday um about people's people have been submitting their experiences being friends with influencers in inverted commas and it sounds horrible. It sounds really, really horrible. Half the time it's fake. Um, people are like, <laughs> like one guy amassed like 150,000 followers for being this luxury influencer, luxury lifestyle influencer. And he, and like, he was like, had his photos next to Lamborghinis and outside like flats in Mayfair and stuff like that. And it was all a lie. It was all a sham. He was, he was pretending and this ex-girlfriend submitted this account. He was like, yeah, he actually drove a Ford Fiesta, but he made out like he had a Ferrari because he used to go to Mayfair and take a photo outside in front of this Ferrari every day. Or every I mean, it's, like, it's, it's insane. But at the same time, like, I don't know, you've got you to respect the hustle. We made it work. 150,000 followers off of, off of what? Exactly. <laughs> I think um, influencer in the sense or the term that we're all familiar with, I believe, is dying out. And what we will see, the ones that last, um, are, are the, the creators, ones that are actually benefiting brands or their followers with engaging content. I think the age of glossy influencers charging an arm and a leg for sponsored content or product placement is coming to an end. And we're going to see an emphasis moving forward on brands engaging with actual creators that are creating adverts for them that would resonate most with their like online um, community. And I think you're seeing that push towards more creators from the platforms themselves. I mean, um, there's for all the platforms, they're often quite a big creative fund uh, to work with creators that don't necessarily have a huge audience, but to help them grow their audience and improve the quality of the content that they're pushing out there. And that's definitely push coming from the platforms. So that's something we're going to see a huge rise on, I think, this year. Yeah, Instagram. The size of the fans. The I was just going to say, Instagram have actually mentioned that in 2022, they're going to be prioritizing um, short form video content as their main priority, along with messaging, which they still believe is the way people are interacting the most online, but also on trying to monetize, help creators make money on Instagram. It's something that they said that they're going to be pushing for the next year. Is that, that's, is that similar to your thing to the, the YouTube model of um, monetizing your monetizing your content? I guess so, yeah. And in the same way, you know, artists are making about minuscule amounts per stream. I, I assume they're going to adopt a model like that where they'll, because, you know, we're, we're, some of this content is going viral and receiving like millions and millions of views. It would, it would be right for the creator to receive some of that, of some of those proceeds, wouldn't it? I think it's yeah. also interesting to, even just if you, examine those words so creator versus influencer and what they actually mean um you know a creator is it's almost tied into the personality and this sort of 
you know, energy and drive that they're putting forward as opposed yeah. to influence just being sort of more static. And it does align with what we've been talking about in terms of short form content and how that's changing. And, you know, even stuff we were saying about the sound and, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's sort of a bit more fast paced and energetic and, you know, we've talked amongst our team about this, I, I don't know the guy's name, that, but the train guy who is, you know, a personality now in his own right. And, you know, he's a creator because he's passionate about his subject and, you know, putting content out there and, you know, people, all the different brands are going to be wanting to work with this guy just because he's already I, created this presence. I think it was Puma that already jumped on board and had him in an advert with Thierry Henry. That I saw a few weeks ago. I was thinking, wow, that's okay. that's quick. That's quick. Yeah, that is quick. I mean, really? Yeah. You know, the influence is still there, hundred percent, but it's it's shifted and it's changed the way it's it's being um, approached. I think Francis well, I think... is his name. Francis. Francis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But what I think is beautiful about him is that he didn't ever set out to be this guy. <laughs> he just liked trains and he wanted to go out there and film trains and he got really excited about it. I don't think he ever set out to be the train guy. Mm. And I think it's it's great, yeah, that, that people have jumped on him and like they're giving it there, he's getting exposure and like he's getting recognition. But also he must I don't know, I'd be interesting to know like I'd be I'd I'd love to be like a fly on the wall in his flat or whatever and actually hear what he thinks about it. He's like, I just love trains. I just want to go out and want to look at trains. He, he's just um, having fun. Yeah, like it's he's he's not like one of these 18-year-old girls that wants to be an influencer, so will do everything they can to become an influencer and like review every product that they get might get sent. He just wants to create fun train content. Yeah, which is audience. much more authentic in so many ways, isn't it? Exactly, which yeah. is why brands will opt towards That's people right. like him over the glossy influencers moving yeah. forward, which we already seem of like these sort of yeah. the increase in nano influencers because mm -hmm. it's um yeah, it's you so know, true. It's, it's you, building trust, isn't it? Yeah, don't and we don't to... have to have this following. It's more about what they have to say as opposed to... Person-to-person -person yeah. interaction. Yeah. People are obviously way more likely or inclined to buy listening to a human over a brand trying mm -hmm. to sell them something. Yeah. I think creators are going to have to be more selective about who they work with in order to keep that air of authenticity up. Because yeah. It's great that the train guy's working with Puma, but if then he suddenly works with like five or six of other brands that aren't maybe as relevant, um, then I think they lose the audience that they built in the beginning. So I think we're going to see less of the same faces again and again on different brand campaigns and a lot more diversity and people only doing partnerships with brands that really do feel authentic to them and what they stand for. And if the match isn't there, I don't think it's going to happen because their audience are just going to be turned off by it instantly and feel like it's just that they're just there for the money and it's not about the genuine experience why people started following them in the first place. Completely agree. And that's why I think it's even more important for like people like Francis who, you know, to get some management and representation because like he's going to have offers coming in in left, right and centre. And it might be very tempting for him to sort of see these six figure checks that the people are offering him to say, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. And all of a sudden, like he's he's not <laughs> him anymore. Yeah. And like he needs like some almost like people to say to him, just yeah. like guy, mate, yeah. just <laughs> take a step back. Like, like you're a brand now. You need to consider yourself as a brand. And that's that's, that's kind of the sad thing about it. Yeah. It's like he just wanted to create fun train content. And now all of a sudden, like he's a he's having to think of himself as a brand. Um and 
like what's going to hurt his reputation and what's you know how is he does he even want to make money out of it yeah. mm. it's it's a weird one um yeah i completely agree though i think i mean i i've always disliked the term influencer um i think the day that i grew to not like it was when i heard it being talked about on the money program on radio four and i was listening to people talk about influencers and it was like it was it was really depressing and the idea that people create lives for themselves to become influencers and just to be popular on instagram or, or wherever it might be i find really sad that's why i think you know as an agency we're quite strict with the when we do influence work with brands is to make sure that it's authentic and it's not just and we're working with the right influencers for the right brand we're not just throwing product out there to people just because a follower count is actually because it means something and it matters because otherwise we're just living in a world that's so diluted and so transparently um being advertised to um it, it, it yeah, I find it really worrying. Um, but do you guys, have you ever, like, do you think, like, can you remember a time where you bought something because of an influencer? No. Never? However, it might have put a product on my radar, which I think mm -hmm. for the brand might be equally beneficial because that's, you know, that's now data that they can use moving forward. Mm. I think that's a really good point, Billy, in terms of, it's very subtle. It's not like, oh, exactly. you know, a lot of people do say, see something that the influencer is putting forward and they immediately buy it. But sometimes it's a bit more under your radar and you don't realize yeah. that you're being influenced in the sense. Um, and it, it is being, you know, pushed through your feed or presented to you where it otherwise wouldn't be. And, and that's where, you know, they get you. Yeah. <laughs> Brands are having to get smarter and find more subtle ways of staying in your face, which is why we are seeing them tap into creators because mm. now we're no longer being targeted by that brand because this is a guy you were following for his um, unique content. Mm. And then now he's creating custom content for this brand. You're by, you're by proxy now engaging with the brand in a way that doesn't make you feel like they're shoving something down your throat. Mm. Mm. Your point earlier about the way in which we work with influencers as a brand was really interesting and I know with a lot of the brands we work with we don't even use the term influencer, we use like creative partner and I think that term is really valuable. Um, we often say to brands you don't want an influencer for one campaign, you want them you know for a few years and building up that relationship and I think that is when it seems like a lot more genuine and both as an you know a creator and a brand, you're going to get the most longevity out of the partnership and the most value because uh, you're going to grow together and you're going to grow your audience together and you're really going to connect those two and that's going to be beneficial for both sides. So I prefer to use the word kind of creative partner instead of influencer when we talk to brands, when we talk. Completely agree. Yeah. I think um, Casey Neistat was a, um, a really good example of that I'm just again i'm showing my age here a little bit because he's sort of old hat now i think um with boosted board like his um, battery powered skateboard that he used very recklessly through the roads of new york and new york city uh, but they that was a paid partnership he never said as much but they gave him they just gave him they just gifted him stuff and he destroyed them he tore them apart he painted yeah. over them he he modified them he did all sorts of things to them but he loved them and he and they went from strength to strength because of this guy that was using them in every single vlog that he did and he was one of the first big vloggers i think and um you know that it was it was 
one of these uh, partnerships that sort of just grew and grew and grew. And now I've seen loads of these motorized skateboards around London and certainly around where I live as well, because uh, there's lots of flat space to do it. Um, but yeah, it's a, a really lovely example of how brands, brands and creators can just work together in a non, I think that's the thing, brands have to be very careful with what they want out of the relationship. Like if they just want, if they, 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 they if they want to just, I think choosing the word ambassador, I think, is a much better but better way of doing it, like being a brand ambassador. Like, we don't want anything from you, just wear our product or use our product, like, in an honest way. Don't review it. Don't say, just just, just, just be a part of our culture. Be, a, be an ambassador for us and our brand and just do it in a really subtle way. And, like, looking for return on investment on influencer work, I think, is obviously a necessity in a boardroom but i think it's it's not really about that it's a long term it's a long term uh, strategy working with ambassadors and influencers in my opinion and i think brand ambassadors as well can be from within you mentioned the nice example of ms earlier but you know like washington post tiktok that's all internal staff that are just actions ambassadors and putting it together um you know they don't need to be from outside your organization especially a lot of huge companies have so much creative talent within that they can utilize it if they go about it the right way. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, my uh, my baby's going nuts in the background. Um, so listeners will be able to hear what it sounds like when a four month year old has, is hungry. So there we go, a little bit of a life lesson there for you. Um, cool. So guys, I think it's a very exciting time for 2022. Um, has anyone come across or seen anything that they're very that they that they think yes this is me I'm all over this for the next year what 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 have you seen what have you got to say I think for me it's just making everything as immersive as possible for brands and not thinking as digital and social and kind of real life activations PR things as separate it's about thinking about the whole user journey and almost you know everything we've talked about all these things should kind of tie together. That's essentially like where social and digital is going with the metaverse. It's not going to be separate thinking about these things. So thinking about a joined up approach is going to just be really exciting for the year ahead. Yeah, and yeah. I also think being adaptive is just key. I mean, things are changing quicker than ever and just, you know, we can predict, it will be interesting to revisit these predictions at the end of the year as it always is, just to see how, <laughs> how spot on we were and also you know where things have moved i anticipate huge changes over the over the course of the year as well so you're saying my personal new year's resolution of being more flexible and agile is actually very much you can transfer onto business side of things as well i like exactly. that <laughs> i think uh, that's a resolution for these current times ali uh, <laughs> carry forward we should all yes take when, that on board when you've had all your travel plans cancelled continuously yes we have to be adaptive right <laughs> very resilient, yeah. at least moving forward that the last few years have made us that um very resilient <laughs> those are some uh, good keywords there <laughs> <laughs> yeah very much so well listeners thank you very much for tuning in uh we've been talking mighty this is a social media podcast from mighty social uh please follow us on spotify and subscribe to us on apple podcasts and we'll be back very soon with more news opinion chat and insights from the world of social media thanks Sally. thanks right. everyone nice to talk to you all cheers guys bye, bye everyone bye
news, opinion, insights. This is Talking Mighty, the social media podcast by Mighty Social. Visit our website at mightysocial.tech.